Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you want to fuck Mrs. Hess, my bro? Oh, no, no, too wild for my taste. Hey, guy, why did they kidnap a dog in this movie? So that they would blend into the neighborhood, I suppose. You're less likely to suspect someone who has a reason for walking around the block repeatedly than... You know, someone who's doing it without a dog. Although it doesn't make any sense because it's a well-known dog within the neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying is is true. That is the reason. Like, if there was a reason to do it, that would be it. But it's so stupid in terms of a reason. Um, because you got to, like, break a dog in. You know, it's like a wild horse. The dog will be um, loyal to the owner, but some criminal from... Parts yeah, no, and, and can't just do- roll in and kidnap dogs. a dog, and the dog's like, "Well, I guess you own me now." Dogs are famous for having very accurate accurate reads on people, you know. Um, so you got to imagine if they're being manhandled and stolen for a walk. I guess actually, that's the point where I think the dog's loyalties would be called into question. As once it realizes it's on a walk in a familiar environment, it would be like, "Actually, this isn't so bad." Oh, and true. it's not like they're not particularly mean to the dog. It fucks me off. Tim, I'm furious. The whole movie, this is, um, it's a familiar feeling, and it's 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 flat. This is only our fourth watch. Yeah, um, hi, everyone. Welcome to the worst idea of all time, Emergency Season. Uh, we were watching Home Alone 3, episode yeah. 4. Yeah, Home Alone 4. Uh, this is undoubtedly this. forever. This feels like a big mistake, a big, big, big mistake. I I can't imagine a movie having a more precipitous drop-off in enjoyment than what I've experienced from the first screening to the fourth screening. I was just so unbearably, unbelievably bored. Like I, This did not spark any enjoyment, no investment. I was totally indifferent to all of the characters. 
Um, how much of this do you think is the movie and how much do you think it's the outside world infiltrating your watch experience? I think they're working in tandem. I don't think it's... The movie now, at this point, and this is sort of what I guess I wanted to happen without considering the actual psychological impact, but the movie now does represent the national, if not global, state of affairs. And so my watching the movie represents the fact that uh, we are all, as a species, currently in a heavily compromised situation. And it would be like, it's like a hamster wheel seeing the wheel in its cage, using it to pass the time, and then becoming frustrated that the wheel does not advance their cause of getting out of the cage. And then so being like, fuck, I hate this wheel. And it goes back to, you know, a more reclined, relaxed position in the cage. And then it gets bored of reclining and it looks at the wheel and it's like, well, I guess I, I go on, I do it again. It's like that. It's just. I think that has been your decision-making process for getting back into worst idea territory writ large. Yeah. And I, I, I live with the consequences of my decisions, as we all do, Tim. You championed this. I championed it, and I still think that there's value to be extracted from it, so long as you can prod me in the right places to try and drill down into why I am so angry right now. Well, maybe you're just plain wrong, because I want to read you a review from a professional film reviewer. Call me cold-hearted. No, sorry. Call me hard-hearted. Call me cynical. But please don't call me if they make Home Alone 3. These words from my review of Home Alone 2 now have to be eaten. To my astonishment, I liked the third Home Alone movie better than the first two. I'm even going to go so far as to recommend it, although not to grown-ups unless they're having a very silly day. This movie follows the exact formula of the first two, which, uh, but is funnier and gentler, has a real charmer for a hero, and provides splendid wish fulfillment and escapism for kids in, say, the lower grades. Three stars, Roger, rest in peace, Ebert. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> um, I think I actually, I think somewhere in my sort of cursory research, I came across the fact that he submitted that review. And I believe I also read at the same time that Siskel almost fell out of his chair <laughs> at uh, the reveal of it. It's, I, but I, I kind of understand. I imagine, you know, lazy shit that he was. Our boy Roger only went and saw Home Alone 3 once. And if I walked out of the cinema after seeing it once, I would have had almost exactly the same reaction. Gentler's questionable. The use of guns in this movie is... Um, How much of the first two films do you remember, though? Very vague recollections of both. Because the thing is, the acts of violence that Kevin McAllister enacts on the Wet Bandits are visceral. Like, they show you a close-up of the nail going into Harry's foot. It's it's a bad more, scene. More violent than what we just saw, for example. And the the it's not just that it's more violent. It's kind of like the decisions they've made around how to depict it are way more realistic. Like, you 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 feel the full weight of an iron falling down on a man's head. You know, uh, yeah. with this, they use kind of cartoon sound effects and stuff. It sort of takes the load off a bit. Yeah, they do. They sort of temper it. Um, yeah, I, I, I respect Roger Ebert as a film film critic, and I think I can honestly respect that review. Like, I, I, I stand behind everything I said in the first episode. It's just, it's remarkable now to consider where I am and how I feel. 
considering that the source material is the same. I actually, um, in my frustration, was on the IMDb, unsurprisingly, and found what I think a piece of trivia that you'll, you'll be very interested in, and I'd love to speculate as to what this film could have been. Sure. Which is that uh, when Macaulay Cul- So Macaulay Culkin was approached and offered this movie, Home Alone 3, and he, he said no because he felt like they'd done everything they could within the universe and that the Kevin McAllister character had, you know, he, he was finished with it. Wow. Um, so he declined to reprise his role as Kevin for the third outing. And then John Hughes briefly considered writing the screenplay with Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern reprising their roles as burglars Harry and Marv, who target Kevin's cousin, Fuller, who of course was played by Macaulay's brother, Kieran. Is Fuller the one who keeps wetting his pants? Because uh, that think, would be a great tie-in with the Wet Bandits. And Fuller would be the main character with Jerry Bamman and Terry Snell reprising their roles as Fuller's parents, Frank and Leslie, yes. who go on vacation and leave Fuller home alone to defend himself yes. against Marvin Harry. And That's the, so much better. The idea was scrapped as Pesci and Stern refused to reprise their roles and wanted to pursue other projects, and Kieran felt he couldn't follow in his brother's footsteps as the lead. And that is how we got Home Alone 3. Dang, I can fully understand how everyone came to those decisions that they made, but that would have been a fucking stonking movie and created such a cool, weird universe where there's this McAllister gene, which is like this genetic predisposition to have a Unabomber level of inventiveness in terms of creating weaponry around your home. Yeah. Um, that that like creates a whole mythos, which I think just elevates... Not just the third movie, but the first two as well. I lo- I mean, I, I like the idea of following the same crooks as well. Yeah. Like, I, I like that we would fill out their backstory because I think one of the challenges with this one is I just, I don't, I don't care about Alex at this point. I just, I just don't. I don't care about their family. I don't care Alex about the missile Alex is a cute trip. kid. He's, he's a good, he's, cute. He's and a good I, actor. He's a good actor, yeah. And even then, I don't, I don't care. I also will say this. While undeniably, in parts, this is a remarkably horny movie, I do worry for the union of Alex's parents. Um, I feel like they're both incredibly attractive and they're very caring, but mm. it might have come at the cost of a sexual spark in their relationship. There's not a lot of physical affection between them. Yeah. They no, barely share a scene or a yeah, moment. There's no real on-screen chemistry, and I'm wondering what it would take to really re-stimulate their sex life, and, and whether or not the introduction of a third, someone like perhaps, you know... Uh, Don't say Mrs. Hess. Mrs. Hess could... No. Why not? I, 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 think, I think it would be a mismatch. I think um, you see the way that Mrs. Pruitt talks about Mrs. Hess. It's one of kind Dude. of a uh, elder member of the community. A um, nah, man. You know, like a grandma. You get you get her in the bedroom. Partner. She'd come in in the role as a sort of sex therapist or relationship therapist and identify some of the points of contact that have been lost. And I honestly think it's at the cost of raising their three kids, who have a pretty wonderful life. Um, the oldest brother obviously is going to be an absolute handful in the years to come. I mean. Stan's going to commit some crimes, and that's really sad, but also inevitable. Yeah, he's 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 a thug. He's a young... everyone. Everyone in this film is the is a victim of the nineties. I feel like uh, Mrs. Pruitt has got this dual responsibility now of maintaining a functioning family and household, but also 
um, because of where everything's at. She feels compelled to be, you know, following her career as closely as everything else and really um, push herself to see where she can get at the bank, I want to say. Um, can I can I say this? She's yeah. so obviously far superior at her job to the husband. She's like, she's competent. She's a vital cog in the machine that is JP Morgan. Um, JP Morgan Chase. The husband, however, is revealed across the board to just be like a, a, a an affable goofball. We know yeah. from the opening scene where he's got his lobster claw oven mitt on. He's on the phone saying he can't sell anything down the phone. When he's <laughs> yeah. going to go to the airport, he forgets his trousers. He's a yeah. fantastic dad, but he's a fucking lousy salesperson. <laughs> Why don't we just get that guy... Take him out of the workforce. Just put him in the house as a full-time stay-at-home dad. Let Mama Bear go out and earn that sweet, sweet honey. Because this is suburban Chicago in the mid-90s, man. It's it's not even on the radar that it's a thing you could do. It is. If this movie wants to be taken seriously as the feminist text that has been presenting itself as since dot one, you know, they could fucking ring in some serious changes. And I think having Mrs. Hess... You know, from an underrepresented group in cinema, a beautiful, older, feline, sexual woman coming in to the house and identifying the problems in their relationship, fucking and sucking both of them dry, and then saying, here's what you guys need to do to move ahead as a family unit. Christ alive. Can I ask you a serious question? Of course. And are you going to give me a serious answer? Undoubtedly. Do you want to fuck Mrs. Hess, my bro? Oh, no, no, too wild for my tastes. I think um, unless you have a really open mind or are willing to have your confidence explored and your boundaries explored in the bedroom, that Mrs. Hess is not for the faint of heart. Here's someone who... Why are you throwing her at the Pruitts then, man? They don't strike me as as the kind that have a solid enough sexual psyche without to wanting to divulge too much hurricane hairs. about my personal life i'm in a i'm in a i'm in a heavy position i'm in a i don't feel like i'm under the same amount of strain familial strain as these the the pruitts are and mrs hess is like it's not explicitly stated but we know she is frustrated by how she is perceived in the neighborhood we know yeah. that those around her, in terms of geographical proximity, those closest to her don't have a full understanding about the depth and breadth of her life. When she's called upon to go over and look out for Alex because he's been left home alone, she mumbles disgruntedly to herself about the fact, oh, we'll just get Mrs. Hess. She's retired. What could she possibly be doing? Yeah. The thing that she is frustrated about is that she is a hands-on sex therapist who is single-handedly reviving the connections of those in the neighborhood around her and she still has a deep sense of moral obligation to do well by societal standards, which means involving making herself available to be an emergency babysitter or whatever. I think Mrs. Hess, outside of you know how fulfilled and gratified she is sexually, needs to do a better job of being open about her line of work and industry with those around her so they will give her the space that she needs to do her job as well as she can, and in turn to then give those around her the most fulfilling relationships that, 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 that they could possibly have. So th- who's holding her back? The neighborhood. 
Uh, the neighborhood are holding her back, but that's on account of her own. Like, she encourages honesty and transparency in relationships and in the bedroom with her clients. Yeah. But she is struggling to be totally honest with those around her. The members of the neighborhood that aren't aware of her livelihood or vocation uh, can't afford to give her the space that she needs to operate. And if she's given that space in turn, she can then revive their relationships. It's sort of a vicious cycle of people not being able to be totally honest and open with those around them. You know, we, we call them our neighbors, but so rarely do we see them nay. She's very grumpy for a lot of the film, which seems to sort of fly in the face of what you're talking about. But she perpetually, because... when we're seeing her, it's at moments when she can't get her end off. She's in an airport. She's rushing to and from a flight. She's lost a baguette that she was also going to use as a dildo. Oh, boy. She can't get no satisfaction. Is what That's you're right. She left her bread in San Francisco. Hey, I looked that up, by the way. It's a Tony Bennett song. Did you know that? If you're going to San Francisco. No, I left my heart in San Francisco. Ah, can you sing? If you're going to San Francisco, it's a whole other kettle of fish, but I, I think they're referencing the Tony Bennett song for no reason in particular. Can you sing the chorus line for me? Nah, I can't because I don't remember it. I looked at it. I could sing you the chorus for um, If You're Going to San Francisco. Would that help? I've already got that. If you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear some flowers in your hair. Anyway, people love hearing our podcasters sing over Zoom. I sure do. Two things I want to talk about. Hit me. Number one. Alex has a desktop computer in his room with the iconic Windows Aquarium screensaver. Let's get that back out there. How good Yeah, what happened to screensavers, man? We've got OLED screens now that occasionally still suffer from burn-in. Bring back screensavers. They and was, bring back not new ones, the old ones. They would go off. That was so much fun. That one in particular. I'd watch those fish swim around for hours. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It was like the best bit of the computer. And Screensavers you're... were a unique joy as a child. What? Do you think that was um, for lack of anything else that the computer could do? It was kind of like, it can turn on and then it can do this. Yeah, I think they realized people would get bored of whatever activities they'd put on the computer quickly. And so they needed a sort of a coverall, a reason to it, remain engaged, but passively. It, it's a good example of that every generation goes through the same cycle, eh? Because like... When we were growing up, our grandparents, for example, would have been looking on being like, God, this generation's living so fast. Look at their these crazy computers and, and uh, cordless phones and whatnot. And now here we are talking about how cool an aquarium screensaver was. And kids have got cell phones and stuff with like, you know, Candy Crush. They're going, well, what yeah. in the fuck are you talking about? Well, it would save your screen. <laughs> yeah. From and what exactly? Yeah, what, what, I, I think it was from burn because like if the if if stuff was left on the screen too long, it would burn in to an image oh, on top yeah, of everything yeah, yeah, else yeah. you would see. So you couldn't like so that's, that's why you couldn't leave avoid. a VHS pause too long on an old TV. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the same thing. Did you have a rubber magnet over an old TV? Uh, not that I remember. Yeah, I fucked up a TV or two when I was a kid. What? Hey, why um, were you rubbing magnets on the TV? Because it fucks them up. It does stuff. Why were you fucking up TV? You seem like a kid who would love TV. You've got a bit of Mike TV in you. Mike TV? I'm not a cowboy. 
Ah, uh, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'll stop you there. I wouldn't say that, Tim. I think you're a cowboy. You you're a bit of a rogue. You operate outside the bounds of normal society. But I don't dress like a cowboy. I don't have a big gallon hat. Like what are you fucking TV, talking about? I can hear your spurs jangling underneath your desk right now. I can barely no, see the top of your forehead because of the big gallon hat. That's not a gallon. This is a Panama hat. They're oh, different. Well, you need to get a smaller size because you look like a goddamn cowboy. All right. Or just change everything else about me to match the hat. The second thing I wanted to talk about with you is the performance of one of the dogs, not the dog who was taken out, but when the police... Who, by the way, involved the janitor from Scrubs, which we haven't addressed either. Fantastic yeah, we haven't cameo talked from about him. That. They, but he now is probably more known as being the dad from, uh, is it Modern Fit? No, The Middle? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that is it. But no, he's, he's not to me. Um, but okay. they, they go freeze, and there's a dog in there, and the dog yeah. is moving. It's a great performance by an animal. And it's on screen for less than three seconds, but that, that dog turns in a very convincing performance. Well, you got to you got to talk us through what it does because they go for, they have to, first of all they've got guns drawn, which again I don't know, man. I know it was very common in the nineties, maybe it is still today, but seeing that in a kids' movie still weirds me out. So they've got their handguns turned toward whoever is the occupant of this house that they think is a burglar, and it turns out it's just a dog, and they say freeze, and the dog just has one paw in the air and looks at them and goes, Whoop. yeah, it's fantastic. It's all we get from the dog, but. Fuck me if I didn't make make a point of writing it down so I could tell you yeah, about it. Yeah, I'd like to know more about that dog. I want to know other movies that it did. I'd like to know what its representation was. I it, hope that it... How did dogs get paid in Hollywood? I guess... I don't know. I guess Big Human comes in and takes their clip, and by the time you finish, the dog's pretty much just eating some high-end Purina or some other... The variety worst of lobby food. of all. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I was actually, I was feeding uh, the cat here, Fig, this morning. 
and I was uh, we'd been feeding out of these little cans, and I was scooping it. Sometimes Chelsea would just feed figs straight out of the can, and I just think that's so disrespectful. And so I always make a point of scooping the food out of the can and putting it into the, the feed bowl. And I was using a teaspoon to make sure that fig got maximum value for money by getting all the food out of the can. And I was thinking to myself, this, you know, no teaspoon, no teaspoon sets out in its life in the pursuit of being used for cat food. I think like the loftiest aspirations a teaspoon could have would probably be a cup of tea. That's where you really yeah. want to be as a teaspoon. Yeah, a and, nice English cup of tea made by the pros. The cat food is the very bottom end of the rung of you know aspirations for a teaspoon. You'd be devastated. And some of these teaspoons, they're varying from job to job in one day. Yeah. They're being washed Actually, the, even even the sort of um, teaspoon in a cup of tea, they've got like different variants of that. Because you could be at like a high tea uh, with the ladies who lunch with the crumpets and the macaroons and whatnot. Or you could be out in the garden shed with some DIY pseudo farmer who's inventing stuff, who's you know had the same teaspoon in there, stirring his tea for eight years, never cleaned it. Why would you? The yeah, tea cleans the spoon. That's true. Fuck spoons. Pixar should really get on top of spoons. They I... kind of did in that last Toy Story, didn't they? Didn't they make a spoon the main character? Was it sp- a spoon or a fork? Oh yeah, so it was a spork. There you go. Ah uh, well. You know what? Good on them. You're this, right. This is why they're making the money and we're making the podcasts, I think. They're always one step ahead, aren't they? Well, what about this? They certainly are. Mm-hmm. It's Toy Story, but with cars. Now we're talking. Now we've got a movie and a doona bedspread. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking Hey, what right. kind of jackass just sits in their room bouncing a, a basketball? Did I, have I mentioned this before? The it sort really of jackass that's meant to be fulfilled by listening to whatever lame-ass punk music that he is. The song that he's listening to is about a singer who wants a skateboard and then is given a skateboard. <laughs> also, this guy does not want for anything. His room is decorated by, I guess he was meant to be 12 or 13. He's got a lot of sort mm. of FHM style or, you know, softcore erotica posters on the wall. Like... I was always jealous of what I imagined as the quintessential American kids' bedroom. The way that they're represented in movies and TV, like often you're seeing middle-class bedrooms and they all just have, it's a byproduct of American culture, but they're just absolutely packed to the hilt with all the paraphernalia and junk of the most prominent brands. And so by association, Mm. you crave those things. I always thought, hey, Arnold, Arnold from Hey Arnold, he had like oh my God. the dopest bedroom. That is bedroom. pinnacle. That is God-tier bedroom, eh? Fucking A. Didn't he have a motorized uh, thing that would reveal the skylight? Yeah, he had it That's all. That's fucking awesome. But this this kid's got that, and he's it's sort of it's going to waste. Like he's just sitting in his room bouncing a basketball like a fucking idiot. He's also got the most intelligent bird I've ever come across in any piece of cinema. We probably need to talk about the bird because the bird is smart as. Uh, eight-year-old Alex Pruitt is, this parrot owned by his dumbass brother Stan is the smartest character in the entire plot of the film. Doing so much heavy lifting. The bird not only has these very advanced conversations with multiple different characters, but it is very manipulative as well in getting its own way. It keeps insisting on buying silence from people um, using an increasing amount of crackers. Yeah. And it sort of... it flits between parroting as uh, you know birds are wanting to do what it hears around it, but then also like showing remarkable instinct 
and initiative in choosing exactly a passage of speech that couldn't possibly have learned. Like, you know, as the bird kills the guy at the end. Yeah. Kills the baddie. Because the baddie only has one cracker to offer instead of one, two. Yeah, and the, the bird demands two. Um, they're in an igloo, which is quite weird, actually. I'd never thought of considered that before, but they're in an igloo. And we, in the see, we see the igloo earlier in the film. Like, we see him stealing Stan's box of fireworks and going to an igloo that we just accept is there and emptying yeah, it well, into yep, the igloo. That's normal. That's and, Chicago for you. Yeah, and we don't even, we don't even question it. Or the fact that he's preemptively put, like, he knows ahead of time that Mr. Mm. Bupre, is it? Um, yeah, I did write this down this time because I, I thought it was very funny. Uh, yeah, Bupre. Or well, at least that's how the Hong Kong weapons dealer says yeah. it. Bupre. He knows that he's going to wind up in the igloo. That parrot deserves as much credit as um, Alex. By the way, is another difference between uh, Alex's outlook and attitude towards being a glory boy than uh, Kevin McAllister is Alex sort of very proudly advertises the fact that he's involved in, in capturing the crooks. Whereas Kevin McAllister, he acted anonymously. I can't remember how he drops them off or like how they get caught in the Home Alone movies. It's not, um, it's, it's not, it's not public. It's not the way that Alex does it. It's different. Well, Alex is, I think, dealing with um, absurdly higher stakes. <laughs> like, a true criminal enterprise um, of, you know, they're obviously a bit bumbling, but they're trained professionals who want to kill him, and he's eight years old. That's a ratcheting of the stakes on from the first two films. Absolutely. And I've got to say, like, obviously Mrs. Pro isn't aware of that context, but she's got a son who's got the chicken pox, and well, this applies for both parents. I direct my, my critique to both parents. We just see a lot more of the mum on screen. He, over the course of two days when he's left alone, calls the cops in succession and insists that there's burglars. Even if you assume he's making it up, you definitely would not leave him alone again on the third day, right? Because you're like, this kid's got a psychological problem. And we definitely shouldn't be fulfilling the criteria that, you know, just adding the circumstances that were added in the previous two days, which got the yeah. police force arrive on our doorstep and tell us off. Yeah, we, that, we need to look after this kid. We need to get him into some counseling or something. Well, Something's going on with this kid. A, yeah, it's true. Actually, I hadn't even considered There's a total refusal by the parents to learn any lessons from their negligence the first or second time because once more they leave him at home alone. I mean, they sort of very softly put bumpers on him to, you know, to safeguard him through the offer of Mrs. Hess. But you're on the money, Tim. It's it's ludicrous. Roger, Roger Ebert's praise in his review, because there was more, I just didn't include it, is a lot to do with how unrealistic the first two films are. But how fucking realistic is it that you're going to leave your kid alone on the third day when they called the cops on the first and second day when you did that? Realism does seem an obscure thing to pull out of this film and champion yeah, as a reason that it, it stands. A very stupid yardstick to, to measure Home Alone th- either one, two, or three with. Did you have a, sh- um, did you have a shining light? Nah. Because, I'll tell you why. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll pick one. Um, uh, who delivers a line that I like? Um... 
Uh, I don't know why this sticks out, but when his dad says something like, have you got this all under control vis-a-vis the house? And he says, uh, absolutely. Oh, really? You like that? I did this time. Don't know why. Drives me nuts. One I do like every time and really enjoyed today in a way that was almost like, it was quite visceral, is when uh, his mum is about to leave and Alex lies and says that the neighbour who was asking after her son's toy car has come to pick it up. She's like, uh, did you give it to her? He's like, absolutely. And she goes, I hope she felt foolish. And it's the way she says foolish. It's um, yeah. it's a borderline turn on for me. Wow. you uh, We need to get you out of lockdown, I think. You, you've got a big horny colouring book that you're painting Mrs. Hess. You, I guess that's actually the wrong analogy. You've got like a paintbrush maybe that you're painting Mrs. Hess as this sexual instructor and... I'm not painting anyone. I'm just mum. I'm just reporting on the movie I'm watching. And were I to be painting, I'll tell you where a lot of the fucking colour would be going. Outside the lines. Oh, gross. Mr. Hess is the big of this film. Consider that. The unseen Mr. Hess. Oh, no, sorry. I meant Mr. Pruitt. Ah. Oh, yeah, that's a guy... That's a guy I'd love to see in the shower. Maybe you're right, Tim. Maybe I'm not doing so well. Maybe I'm not holding up as well as I might have thought. I watched uh, this movie. um, I went old school on it, and I saw half an hour of it last night after doing... i got to be honest, man. I have done a nauseating number of quizzes the past couple of weeks with friends over Zoom. That you've been hosting. Too many quizzes. Uh, I've hosted like one. I've hosted, yeah, just one. Um, but too many. I will never do a quiz again in my life. Um, it's good to see everyone and it's good fun. But last night's quiz was 10 rounds. It was insanity. So I got to bed at like 11.30 and then um, gobbled down half an hour of Home oh, 3. F- it makes me feel asleep. physically ill. And then, and then, and then w- woke up. And consume the rest of it. I, this I'm like, I, I feel like my relationship to Home Alone because the idea that this is an emergency season and once we're set free from our homes, we'll be set free from the film, means that I think all of this exists on an accelerated curve, and so my relationship to it now, obviously, it's in a much darker place than I would expect ordinarily to be after four watches because it's not four of say fifty two, it's four of ten, eleven question mark, and um. I could not bring myself, I'd left myself so much runway to watch this movie this morning and I couldn't bring myself to do it, couldn't bring myself to do it until it was literally to the minute that was like, if you don't start watching the movie now, you're going to miss the record time. (laughs) And watching it that way is so challenging because if you give yourself two hours, it's a one hour and 45 minute movie, two hours, at least you've got 15 minutes of wriggle room to pause it and go and, you know, take a shit, make a coffee do something else. But one hour 40, it's like you're just strapped in. It's, um, and it's just, it, oh, it's, you can take your shit while watching this. Tim, what I do, the problem when is the, we, the movie's growing when, stronger and longer by the second. <laughs> stronger. When we, uh, pick a new season, the first thing I do is download the movie to all the like devices I own. So I've got on my desktop computer, my laptop, my tablet, and my phone. So no matter where, where I am or what I'm doing, I can still watch it. So often I'll like, 
I'll be on a bus and I'll be watching, or I'll be on the toilet and watching. I'll be making a coffee it's, and watching. Do you know this, this is the, this this begs a, a bigger question that I wonder about? Is like there are, I've got friends who do not take their laptops into bed because they want to crap create a very strong point of delineation between like where they work or where they absorb that stuff and where their their private spaces. And so I wonder the same thing for this, whether or not it's healthier to only consume the movie in concentrated bursts on certain devices so that you have a very clear demarcation where it's like, this is where I do this thing. And in your approach, which is like this sort of, it bleeds into every corner of your life and every space that you exist in. Like, do you... Do, hmm. Do you have any consideration for how life would be or how you'd feel if you went the other way? Or do you think it's just the only way because it's the only way you can make it work? Man, I'm a messy bitch and this is just how I exist in life, you know? Work is play, play is work. I've got Home Alone 3 on four different devices. This is just how Timbo rolls. Yeah, that does that does scream Timbat, doesn't it? Home Alone 3 on four devices in a lockdown where you are bound to stay only in one space. I respect the shit out of that, Tim, and I've got no respect for anyone involved in this movie. Although I do want to ask before we go, earlier in the season you said that you do not enjoy Scarlett Johansson's performance. You specifically mm. singled her out to say you don't like it. What is it about it that you don't like? Because I think she turns in a pretty strong showing. She's too cold. And there's a particular delivery of when they're in the hallway, and I think it's when Alex has called the cops for the first time and we're dealing with the fallout of that false alarm. And Stan says, um, you've cost this family, uh, what is it, much-needed cash? Yeah. <laughs> Replacing the door on um, the neighbor's house and uh, and goes on about some other stuff. And then Scarlett Johansson, Molly, says, and worst of all, you've stained the family name. And it's the way she says that, and then she smiles, where it's like, we'll pick one. Either staining the family name is a bad thing, or you're smiling, but no. like you can't kind of oh. have it both ways. You've got to be kidding me. I love that line. I love that. That's her saying you've stained the family name. Like, But I, she has the family name. She cares less about the family name than making her younger brother feel like an absolute piece of shit. And she sticks the landing in a big way. She's too cold. She's too cold for me. Even Buzz, there's like, I guess they do it at the end. They follow the exact same beats. But Buzz, Buzz's relationship with Kevin in the first two Buzz movies is, is that he's oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. He, he's the sta- he's the he's the older brother who's like a real bully and has a porn stash and they actually even look kind of similar like they've done a good casting job finding that Stan dipshit older brother yeah um, so Buzz is the OG Stan and uh, Buzz like I don't know you just Buzz is less of a two dimensional cartoon character maybe I think I need to watch. It won't be any time soon, but the first two movies, I think maybe I'm giving them undue praise. I'm, I'm remembering we're, them too fondly. Nah, man. I feel like we're getting... It's not nice, but we're getting somewhere here. We're getting really murky, and like the the edges of normalcy are fraying around us. Because I think that they are good films, and I think your memory is accurate, but you're spending so much time with Home Alone 3 that your perception of how much everything. you enjoy them is making you question it. Like... There's no reason, just because you've been exposed four times to Home Alone 3, that doesn't give you reason to doubt your feelings towards Home Alones 1 and 2. I haven't seen them in a long time, though. It's been Home Alone too long. I'd like to say this, Tim. I love you. I fucking hate this movie, my man. 
I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It's it's no good at all. I think we're done here, mate. Oh. Um, thanks for joining us, everyone. And we'll see you in the next rollicking ride that is the worst idea of all time emergency season. Um, I'm ju- I'm t- I feel beaten. I feel tired. I hope I can rally for the next episode. Yeah. Look after yourselves. Wash wash a dish. Wash one dish. If you got all clean dishes, dirty one up, then wash it. I'm going to go do that right now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.